The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. Today, we'll be continuing on my book, Stand Up and Stand Out and Watch Your Product Fly Off the Store Shelves. But first, as we do every week, the news and brands you'll hear about today, the iconic grocer, AMP, Unilever, even ESPN. And the news is brought to you by Supermarket News, Food Navigator, Marketing Week, and ESPNW. AMP filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy late Sunday for the second time in five years, according to numerous reports. The chain on Monday announced the sale of 120 stores and the closure of 25 more. The Montvale, New Jersey-based chain, which reported assets and liabilities of more than $1 billion each, has hired Evercore Partners, an investment bank that specializes in selling assets, according to Reuters and others. Reuters also reported that AMP said it was in talks with Albertson, Safeways, Acme Markets, A-Holds USA Shop and Shop, Stop and Shop Supermarket, and Q Food Stores Cooperative to buy its assets. Speculation over the future of AMP flared again last week amid an article in the New York Post saying AMP would file for bankruptcy protection and dissolve as a result of asset sales as soon as this week. Citing confidential sources, the Post said Albertson's Acme chain was looking to acquire so many, as many as 80 AMP locations, and that Kroger and Ahold are also expected to eye different sites. AMP has lined up buyers for 120 of its 296 stores, with total expected proceeds of about $600 million, Wall Street Journal reported. The company has put itself and or parts of the company for sale several times previously, most recently in 2013, but thus far has failed to make a significant deal. Now, the future, if you can understand how an eight-year-old thinks, you are a long way toward understanding a transformative change in consumer behavior, says futurist Mike Walsh, who gave the keynote address at IFT in Chicago last week. The launch of the iPhone in 2007 was a major turning point in the use of everyday technology, leading many people to stop using other devices such as sat-nav, digital cameras, and even landline telephones as all these functions were now covered by their mobile phone. However, 
Walsh argued that use of the iPhone and later the iPad to entertain children may be the most lasting legacy as kids learn to interact with technology in new ways. There's a close parallel between new technology and changes in human behavior, he said. You literally rewired their brains. As a result, Walsh claims the eight-year-olds may be better placed to imagine the future of food than those who've been working in the industry for years. If your kids started working in your business tomorrow, what is one decision they would make completely different than you, he asked. There's an incredible crossover between the tech, the tech money flowing out of Silicon Valley and food innovations like Beyond Meat, an extruded mix of soy and pea powders, carrot fiber, and gluten-free flour that aims to simulate the taste and texture of chicken, Walsh added. Microsoft mogul Bill Gates and the New York Times food writer Mark Bittman have both singled it out as an indistinguishable from meat. But it's not just the technology that makes Beyond Meat so successful. The brand also tells a very compelling story. It's only through telling better stories that you overcome the fear of consumers. Beyond Meat is telling a very good story, but an even bigger story about saving the world, Walsh said. He claims the storytelling should be better applied to other technologies about which consumers are skeptical, like advances in precision-engineered livestock and insect protein. Will insect protein really catch on? A lot of that is in your hands. It's the way you position it. It's the way you market it, he said. The greater transparency you can provide to the consumer, the better. That's not just about whether your food is organic or where it comes from, but it also helps consumers relate to your brand. Meanwhile, Walsh predicts that the advent of big data will have a major impact on big food, linking the entire food chain in the same way the digital revolution has linked information on a global level. Flexible, low-cost sensors in food packaging will allow better traceability and food safety checks and an unprecedented amount of new data on food distribution and consumer behavior will enter the food system in the coming years. Unilever, marketing's biggest barrier in embracing sustainability. Although Unilever's sustainable living brands such as Dove and Ben and & Jerry's accounted for half the company's growth last year and grew twice as fast as other brands in its portfolio, Hamilton says it's the FMCG giant, that's food marketing consumer giant, is still finding it tough to convince marketers of its sustainable strategy. Speaking yesterday, July 14th, at the, I'm sorry, speaking July 14th at the Havis Meeting Brands Conference, The biggest challenge to our ongoing shift to become more sustainable is our marketers. We do regular staff surveys to check our progress around sustainability and marketing. It's 20 percentage points below the rest of our business when it comes to embracing these changes. Marketers know we are asking them to link to think in a completely different mindset that can be quite daunting. Unilever set out its 10-year sustainable living plan back in 2010, which included targets such as having, having in half its environmental footprint and making 100% of its agricultural raw materials sustainably sourced. Hamilton said progress has been strong over the last five years. However, she insisted that brands looking to follow its lead must ensure there's support that filters from the boardroom down. She added, it isn't just our CEO, Paul Pullman, but leaders across the business who have opened the door and backed the vision of brands doing more to create positive change. I think the results of a sustainable living brand show there is definitely real value in moving to a sustainable model. 
Speaking at the same moment, Oxfam's research and policy advisor, Catherine Tribbeck, said that short-term terrorism is holding brands back when it comes to embracing sustainable ideals. Brits would not care if 94% of brands disappeared, according to Havis's media, latest Meaningful Brands metric of brand strength, which also claimed that people believe only 3% of brands improve the quality of their life. Trebek said marketers must think long-term route to regain trust. She said, unfortunately, there are still too many companies coming to short-term terminism and that profit-driven view makes it impossible to achieve anything ethical long-term. Meanwhile, Nationwide's marketing director, Stephen Leonard, urged financial brands to do more to achieve ethical changes. As we're building society, and we don't answer to shareholders, so we behave in a different way. We're working with Macmillan and have set up bespoke staff to deal with our customers who are suffering financial implications due to cancer as one in seven people lose their house due to the disease. I think financial brands must tap into this cooperative economy and look to unlock that feeling of togetherness. I've always been passionate about the preservation of natural resources and the protection of wildlife, but I'd never connected the sports interest, the personal interest, to my professional life, says sports journalist, until I got involved with Green Sports Alliance. The GSA works to promote environmentally preferable practices. Think renewable energy, healthy food, water conservation, safer chemicals, recycling, and so forth to preserve healthy, sustainable communities. Two weeks ago, I moderated panel at GSA's fifth annual summit, a three-day event featuring more than 800 athletes, teams, vendors, and revenue and venue representation. I was shocked to discover how much the sport world has embraced the green movement and just how much I'd be missing. I'd been missing. So here's more. Everyone's getting on board with green. Since its launch with six teams back in North America in 2011, the GSA has grown to include nearly 300 teams, venues and events from 14 different countries. All the different professional sports leagues have active greening programs. The NBA, the NHL, the MLB have environmental tracking programs, and the NHL released the world's first ever sports league sustainability report. During the summit, the GSA released an interesting report done in partnership with the National Resources Defense Council, detailing the efforts of major U.S. sports to shift toward more towards sustainable game day food. According to the report, organic options are available at 17 major stadiums and 18 venues since food from local gardens. Source food from local gardens, I should say. Some venues also boast, also boast compostable serviceware, on-site gardens, antibiotic-free meat, and composting. Sustainability is now a best business practice. One of the panel participants was Jennifer Regan, the principal and chief sustainability officer of her own consulting company, We Bring It On, Inc., and the board member of the GSA. Regan, who spent seven years as the chief sustainable officer, sustainability officer for Anschultz Entertainment Group, has worked with more than 150 venues for large-scale events such as FIFA tournaments, the Olympics, and music festivals. I talk about three returns, the return on investment, the return on brand value, like increases in ticket sales and sponsorships, and the return on the right thing, like employee morale increase and retention of millennials. She explained that the two best ways to get hesitant hesitant teams, companies, and venues to embrace the green movement have been to pinpoint efficiency and health. 
both of interest even to those who aren't willing to talk about climate change or going green. Over the last few years, she's seen the movement grow exponentially with early adopters, helping spread the message of sustainability to other venues and teams. Every venue manager of the arena that has a professional league or a stadium that has an MLB or NFL team is talking about recycling, LED and energy conservation, water conservation, fixtures, and sustainability purchasing, at least in terms of green cleaning and paper products, she said. I will make the bold statement that it's best business practice at this moment, at minimums, she listed. There's no no resistance anymore. The question now is what's next and who's taking the lead. Regan is one of the leaders working with the largest venues in the country to establish new standards and innovations. She said the challenges and goals of the green movement reflect those of female business and industry leaders trying to break barriers. First, Regan said, it's about creating awareness of things that aren't always a part of the everyday dialogue, whether it's climate change or unequal play. Second, creating a safe space for experimenting and trying new things, she continued. It was forward thinking to talk about climate at an NFL or baseball meeting just five or six years ago. Now it's expected. Both movements benefit from a safe space. With the green sports movement, early adopters can jump in and have environmental experts and reporters, people who historically might be seen as, a risky, as risky critics, at the table with them designing new progressive ideas. And it's also a safe space for people just starting. It's okay that you don't have recycling. You're still welcome here. Finally, anchoring our efforts in a sense of purpose. Connect to your heart. Women's initiatives are most successful when you find the purpose within the leadership. With the Green Movement, the purpose is clear, and we've got the facts around the environment. Athletes are playing a huge role in greening of the sport as well. Panelists of the GSA Summit included Edmonton Oilers captain Andrew France, pro big wave surfer Greg Long, and pro big mountain and powder skier Catherine Gleach. Athletes who want to speak out on behalf of the conservation movement have been meeting the demands and being professional competitor while also living up to the message of the green movement they preach. That means carefully considering endorsement deals and corporate collaborations, being selective about the equipment they purchase and use, and even risking alienating fans, sponsors, or even bigwigs by speaking out against very big energy companies that sponsor their stadiums and competitions. Gleach said that athletes have to be able to accept discomfort from criticism. And Long said it should be about, it's a, should be about athletes influencing sponsors and not the other way around, insisting, I won't sacrifice my ethics, she said. The GSA hopes the work of athletes from individual outdoor sports and the standout work of the NHL as its players will help inspire conservation efforts from players in the big three of NFL and MLB and the NBA. This dream is just to get, get stars such as LeBron James and Tom Brady on board and harness the power of their vast social media networks, offering a great way to educate millions of fans and spread the message of sustainability. Superheroes of sport literally helping to save the earth. Everyone could get on board with that. Folks, it's time for a short break. When we come back, we're going to be discussing uh, the final couple of chapters of my book, Stand Up and Stand Out and Watch Your Products Fly Off the Store Shelves. Stick around, everyone. We'll be right back.
Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. Or you could say yes because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows. This week's featured guests and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at StandUpPouches.net. That's David at StandUpPouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Welcome back, everyone, to Ditch the Box. Once again, we are discussing my book, Stand Up and Stand Out and Watch Your Product Fly Off the Store Shelves. When we last talked, we got to Chapter 7, which is the environmental information for packaging. Are your stand-up pouches environmentally friendly? The answer in one word for us is yes. Here's why we can say that. Stand-up pouches are made from multiple layers of scientifically engineered barrier film laminated together. This lamination is key. Why? Because the laminated film provides strength and stiffness so the pouch can stand effectively. It can also withstand puncture and rough handling. 
Further, the laminated film provides crucial barrier protection properties that protect the contents from moisture, vapor, odor, UV rays, and other negative elements. Traditional bags such as sandwich bags, produce bags, or grocery store bags like those blue things are made from single-layer film, also known as monolayer. Bags made from this type of film don't have nearly the strength or barrier properties as bags made from laminated film. In fact, other than the thickness, most people can't tell the difference between monolayer film and laminated film. And as a result, most, if not all, landfills and recycling programs group all plastics together into massive bales of plastic bags. These bales get chopped up and ground into tiny pieces called regrind. They become, regrind becomes, the main ingredients in plastic products such as plastic toys, picnic tables, plastic lumber, garbage cans, bumpers, etc. Landfill-friendly stand-up pouches can be thrown away as trash. Its recycle code is normally an R7. Now, because stand-up pouches are made from lamp film, not the mono or single-layer film, they aren't biodegradable. However, here's where many people get confused. For anything to biodegrade, it needs to be exposed to air and sunlight over time. However, these two elements weaken the packaging and allow it to break down. Today, throwaways go to a landfill or trash as garbage. Let's face it, trash stinks. So the fastest way to neutralize the odor of garbage is to bury it deep into the ground and then cover the trash. Once it's covered, it's no longer exposed to air or sunlight. Therefore, nothing breaks down. Not paper boxes, not paper bags, not stand-up pouches. To be clear, we're all for helping the environment. While there have been advances in fancy and expensive new barrier films that show great promise to protect and keep products fresh, the industry just isn't there yet. Either the pricing is exorbitant, is exorbitant, the results aren't good, or both. However, applying the 3R practice, reduce, reuse, recycle, is still highly appropriate. Studies have shown, far and away, the best way to help our environment is not with fancy new films or expensive additives or incinerator, incinerator, incinerators that burn trash and turn it into fuel. Rather, the solution lies in reducing how much plastic and packaging is used. It's in this category that stand-up pouches really shine. They can replace bottles, glass jars, plastic pails, even cans that share the same negative attributes. They're heavy. They take up a lot of room to store, use a lot of fuel to ship, and require a lot of energy to make. Stand-up pouches are much better than that. Considering these alternatives, stand-up pouches are indeed excellent for the environment. There's four styles of stand-up pouches that not only we deal with, but the industry deals with. When constructing a stand-up pouch, a main difference in design is in the style of the bottom gusset. Four main styles are described in this particular chapter, as well as additional styles for packaging liquids. Now, the round bottom gusset. The round bottom gusset often is referred to as a doyen style, tends to be the most prevalent today. Here, the film is joined at the bottom of the stand-up bag, which creates a half circle or a smiley face, if you will, while the front and the back panel sealed to the bottom gusset provide rigidity and strength. This style relies on the strength of the film and the seals. It works very well for products that weigh less than one pound. There is a diagram in the book. Like the round style, the case style refers to what the bottom gusset looks like after it's sealed. 
Here, the corners are sealed as well as the bottom, which creates a shape like the letter K. The film and the seals provide, a much, provide much of the strength. A K-style bottom gusset works well for products that weigh more than one pound. They're generally used for up to two and a half pounds and even up to five pounds. This style is appropriate for rice, beans, granola, cereal, as well as non-food items such as chemicals and even powdered soap. Now, the plow bottom, the corners on the pouch are sealed like a K-style, but the design, the weight of the pouch itself pushes or plows to the bottom of the pouch. In reality, it's the product that creates the strength of the bottom gusset while the round and case styles from the previous descriptions, the sealing of the film creates the strength. A plow bottom gusset is used for dense, heavy products such as rock salt, sugar, heavy beans, chemicals. Products weighing more than five pounds used generally use a plow bottom. Now, a flat bottom, and by the way, folks, there are d- d- designs and diagrams all throughout the book, by the way. And the flat bottom side gusset is the newest style in the flexible packaging industry. It's not created to hold a certain amount of weight. Rather, it's meant to mimic a box or a folding carton, otherwise known as a cereal box. Pouches made with a flat bottom and side gussets works very well with products weighing more than one pound. Because of its unique shape, the style holds much more than other stand-up pouches with more traditional bottom gussets. It also uses up to 15% less film, again, less film than other styles. To summarize, here's a guideline to go by. Use a round bottom gusset if your product is less than one pound. Use a K-style if it's more than one pound and up to two and a half pounds. Use a plow bottom for two and a half to five pounds and more. And consider, as a a side note, consider using a flat bottom stand-up pouch for products exceeding one pound in weight. And if you're interested in replacing folding cartons and corrugated boxes. Now, as promised, for packaging liquids. Packaging liquid is in a printed stand-up pouch continues to grow in popularity around the globe. It reflects the increasing numbers of retailers and consumers who want to get rid of the rigid plastics and glass packaging that cost more in terms of price as well as the energy required to produce them. With the advancement in barrier film layers, stand-up pouches with spouts can be used to hold everything from fruit, juice, and water to soap, even oil, and alcohol. This was nearly impossible in the past because these items were aggressive on certain types of film. However, that's changed. What you should know when packaging liquid in a spouted Santa pouch are these. Ask these questions. How do you plan to fill the pouches? A spouted stand-up pouch can be filled directly through the spout and cap or through a void or open area on the top of the pouch that will need to be sealed once the, spout, once the pouch is filled. In this situation, the stand-up pouch will arrive with a spout and cap already affixed to the bag. This void will be the only area available for filling. Do you want the spout and cap in the center on, on, or on one of the sides? You can't have both. You have to pick those. And the third question, do you even need a spout and cap at all? We provide many liquid pouches without a spout and cap, which adds cost, as you can imagine. Instead, they have a tear-off or cut-off area that, works, that, that is used for the liquid to be poured out. This style works great for single-serve one-time-use pouches. Now, as a note, spouted stand-up pouches can have round, K-style, or even plow-bottom gussets. 
the flat bottom styles have not performed well with liquids so far. So it's not recommended. As always, trust your packaging professional for help and guidance. Now here's some answers to key packaging questions. It isn't the person with the best idea who wins. Rather, it's the person who has the greatest understanding of what matters most. We strive to understand the personalities, fears, worries of our small clients, including startup companies, as much as those concerns of our mid-market and larger clients. But we know they're radically different kind of questions. Santa pouches are used from the smallest of companies all the way up to massive corporations such as Nestle's and Procter & Gamble. In our company's history, we've had immense success with small companies, those from 1 to 100 employees, and mid-market companies between 100 and 500 employees. Yet, a completely different dynamic exists between the small and the mid-market. There are different fears and worries as well as different frequently asked questions from both segments. Let's examine both groups in further detail. We've identified organizations between 1 and 100 employees as being in the category of small. However, we found that the average number of employees who work at small companies can be fewer than 20. Often the owners are recent retirees who are pursuing their dreams of owning a company to bake a granola recipe or produce a Petri. Or it's a husband and wife who take their savings and attempt to create a new income stream for one or both of them. Some of our clients have been downsized out of a corporation or using their severance packages to chart different careers. Some are even recent college grads with fire-in-the-belly entrepreneurial spirits who want to work for themselves instead of being on someone else's payroll. All great. Regardless, those in the segment we call small have incredible drive and work ethic. They'll labor all hours of the day and night to develop and ultimately sell their products. We've discovered that these folks will either, one, completely ignore packaging until the very last second, at which point they realize the products need to ship in one week, or two, they assume that all packaging is the same and doesn't really matter. Many have no clue what type of packaging they'll need in order to protect their product and tell their story or build their brand. Quite a science exists for developing laminated film combinations for particular products. There is no such thing as one film combination that works for all different products. Therefore, we need to know answers to these questions and more, such as, what's being packaged? How heavy is it? Is it light? Is it fluffy? Is it sharp? Is it pointy? How will it be filled, stored, and shipped? Where will it be sold? Will it be hot or cold or frozen? Knowing all of these factors is critical for us to provide the right film structure at the right price point. Caution. Too many film layers when the, when the wrong films are being used could mean paying too much. The other extreme would be to have too little protection, allowing the product to go bad or stale, or the bag won't stand properly. Using stand-up pouches are the most, that, are used, that are custom printed adds another layer of complexity. Products need the right film layers for protection. As well, one of those layers will be the printed layer. So now the graphic design and colors and printing cylinders have to be taken into consideration. Now the five most frequently asked questions by the small client. How much do stand-up pouches cost? How do I create my artwork? What if something goes wrong? How long does it take? What material should I use for my product? Now let's answer some of them individually. How much do stand-up pouches cost? As anyone can imagine, it depends. It depends on the size of the pouch, 
the materials used for the laminated layers. It also depends on the complexity of the printing and the features on the pouch itself, a ziplock, tear notch, pour spout, even a hang hole. Here, let's examine some basic printed stand-up pouches in a couple different sizes and materials with a printed ziplock, with a ziplock and tear notch, and even a hang hole. Premium features like a gas release valve and pour spout are additional charges and not part of this review. Keep in mind, these are ranges. The final price depends on the number of the type of material chosen, whether it's clear, metalized, aluminum, or even combinations, the thickness of material, the complexity of the printing, such as how many colors, how crazy of a coverage is the print, and the type of additional features, such as a ziplock, a tear notch, or a hanghole. Now, in the book, we provide pricing for 10000 25000 and 50000 pieces for your review. Now, these are meant to be estimates and ranges. Further, they do not include printing cylinders or f- plates or freight. Printing cylinders from our overseas factory are in the $225 to, $200 to $325 range. You need one printing cylinder per color, and these are one-time charges. Printing cylinder and plates from a U.S. factory are in the $350 to $450 range. Now, how do I create my artwork? Some clients have an idea of what we mean by artwork, while others don't have a clue. And yet, others fall somewhere in between. Regardless, creating the right artwork for the product is one of the key problem areas for printed stand-up pouches. Printing on stand-up pouches is unlike any other type of printing. First, the printing goes on a flexible film, not paper or a brochure or even a cardboard box. Thus, for someone who's familiar with printing on a business or a greeting card, colors will look different than expected when printing on a clear film or an opaque film or a metalized film or an aluminum film. Indeed, the entire process of printing stand-up pouches is different. When the ink is placed on top of what's being printed, like a box or a card, it's called surface printing. With printed stand-up pouches, it's referred to as trapped printing. This means the printing is done on one of the film layers, and then that film layer is trapped and laminated to other layers, at least one above and one below it. That way, the printing cannot be scratched or marred in any way. In addition, when these layers are added above and below the printed layer, this can affect the final color. A recommendation that's most critical to your success is this. Use an experienced graphic designer to create your artwork. Don't go it alone. Even more important, use a graphic designer who has experience with printed stand-up pouches and any type of flexible film. Any information is going to be a problem if you try to go it alone. And choose a pro who isn't afraid to say, I'm not 100% sure. Folks, we need to take a quick break. I'm going to come back and pick up this chapter here about how to create my artwork. Stick around. We'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've got a great product, and it's now on the store shelves at all the major big box retailers. So what's the problem? You are getting squeezed. Cost reductions are demanded from the retailers, and they are not letting up. So what are you going to do? You can give in and watch your margins disappear and hope you can make them up with other clients or with other products. You can say no and watch the retailers make deals with your competitors. 
Or you could say yes, because you've discovered a way to increase your margins and even get lost margins back. At StandUpPouches.net, we live and breathe flexible retail packaging. We have factories that can run as few as 5,000 pieces and scale to millions without any change in quality. We are ISO 9000 and ISO 14000 approved and offer complete supply chain solutions using our Ohio warehouse. Your retail packaging is the voice of your brand. Don't use inferior packaging. Choose packaging that not only protects, but keeps products fresher for longer while building your brand. To learn more, visit us at www.standuppouches.net or call us at 866-440-2123. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you'd like more information about our program, send David an email to david at StandUpPouches.net. That's David at StandUpPouches.net. Now, back to Ditch the Box. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Ditch the Box. We are continuing on my book, Stand Up and Stand Out and Watch Your Products Fly Off the Store Shelf. Back to How Do I Create My Artwork? Finishing that particular chapter, a recommendation that's most critical to your success is this. Use an experienced graphic designer to create your artwork. Don't go it alone. For more important, even more important, use a graphic designer who has experience with flexible packaging. And choose a pro who isn't afraid to say, I'm not 100% sure about a certain color or a certain detail. Let me ask what's the best thing to do in this particular case. I'd like to expand on this point because it's happened so many times with so many colleagues in our industry, it's gone beyond just being a phenomenon. Remember, as noted, printed stand-up pouches is not the same as printing on a brochure or a pamphlet or something like that. As a result, we've had several run-ins with graphic designers, often freelance, who feel so desperate to please and keep their paying clients that they claim they can create graphics for printed stand-up pouches. They mistakenly assume it requires the same process as designing a logo or a letterhead or a retail sign. Also, they're used to having to use 23 different colors to work with, while a printed stand-up pouch can use only 10 to 12. What happens? 
Now, instead of these folks saying, I need help to understand our specifications, they often blame us, the printed stand-up pouch company. In fact, it seems all business owners know a graphic designer that's a friend, a relative, a spouse, or significant other, and assume they'll get a quote-unquote discounted price. In reality, the design task ends up becoming far beyond what the client expected or even could afford. Some have even walked away from doing a printed cinna pouch at all, and in some drastic cases, walked away from their businesses when they couldn't get it at a price point they needed. Unfortunately, their inexperienced designers had produced graphics that went way beyond what could be printed cost-effectively. It's incredibly frustrating to set up a battle with their livelihoods at stake. Whether you're a client looking for a printed stand-up pouch or a graphic designer selected to create the package's design, the solution is to communicate. Naturally, we all want parties to get what we want, what they want in the end result. So if the graphic designer communicates with us what the client wants and needs, we can in turn work to accommodate what everyone wants. The goal is to minimize the time and expense it takes for the graphic design process to to complete. Yes, graphic designers should be able to take your thoughts, goals, and dreams of how you, not them, but you want your printed packaging to look. Make sure the designer you hire is well-versed in all graphic tools needed and is willing at least to communicate for Pete's sakes. To be clear, we love graphic designers. We have three of them on staff, each serving in different roles. One is able to be sure the the graphics a client has are print ready at no charge. Another creates artwork from clients for scratch. And another one kind of does a little bit in between. Now, as far as graphic guidelines and our artwork guidelines, we print edge to edge. So you have, for example, a six by nine and a half by three and a quarter stand-up pouch. Your available space, or real estate as we say in the industry, is six inches by 9.5 inches on the front or face of the stand-up pouch and six by 9.5 inches on the back. The bottom gusset can be printed but not always registered. It depends. We can do a barcode, but sometimes you have to check on the side and check with your packaging professional to make sure that your artwork can be printed on the bottom gusset. To be sure, keep the bottom gusset a solid color or keep it clear. If you want to explore printing on the bottom gusset, once again, check with your packaging professional. Finally, make sure you have a two-millimeter border on the left and right margins, that's the front and the back, of your pouch of a consistent color. We run on high-speed lines, and the pouch film you'll want will want to drift. Having a two millimeter, which is a very small amount, will give us enough room to make sure your printing looks awesome every single time. This is a trick we've learned over 25 years in the business. Now, what if something goes wrong is a question a lot of the small players have. Our job is to take a client's artwork and marry it to the right film structure to protect the product and keep it fresh. At the same time, At the same time, we have to print the colors in the artwork with the desired pop and vibrancy that the client intends. But achieving all of this is easier said than done. In printed flexible packaging jargon, the word something in the phrase, what if something goes wrong, almost always refers to the actual printing on the stand-up pouch. If a flexible package wasn't made properly, like a seal was bad or a Ziploc wasn't applied properly, people understand it'll be corrected. However, many small business owners don't have the confidence or knowledge in the area of printing and color matching to understand their options. They simply don't know what to expect. 
briefly, here's our process. After a client submits artwork, we make an electronic proof, usually a JPEG or a PDF file of the, of the proof. First, that proof shows an outline of the stand-up pouch with a particular size of the bag, along with all the graphics placed on that outline where the client wants them. This outline indicates the size, the outside length and width, the bottom gusset, as well as the inside dimensions. Second, the electronic proof shows features such as a tear notch, a hang hole, or even a ziplock, showing where on the pouch it will appear. Third, the proof lists all the colors to be printed on the stand-up pouches. Then the critical communication begins between the client's graphic designer and our designers. Once the artwork is ready, it's our job to figure out how to print it on a flexible film. In most cases, we can print up to 10 colors, with our new press printing up to 12 colors. Based on the detail, complexity, and quantity needed, we can decide which printing machine to run it on. We also take into consideration the kind of product being packaged and what type of film the client selects. For example, let's say a client is packaging cereal and wants a printed cinna pouch with a clear window or a clear area on the bag so the product can be seen. We take that into consideration. Conversely, if a client doesn't want a viewable area, an opaque film will be used. Just as a painter can paint on certain colors, certain colors on certain types of materials like canvas, paper, glass, etc. The same is true for printing flexible packaging. Therefore, colors will look different when printed on different types of materials. Clear film versus opaque film versus foil, etc. After we make an electronic proof, knowing it's a starting point, everyone's computer monitor is set to different levels, and the client places an order, we'll create printing cylinders. These are made from etched or engraved metal. Each color of our client's artwork requires one printing cylinder. If the artwork calls for eight, cell, eight colors, then eight printing cylinders are needed. Once the cylinders are made, they're coated with ink, and a sample of the printing is created. To be clear, this is not a sample of the pouch itself. Rather, it's a sample of the printing called the film proof. This film proof is on a very thin structure and is meant to depict what the actual printed colors will look like on the film. Our client will either see a picture of the film proof or request the film itself. However, this film proof is made with small, unsophisticated printing press not what we would use in final production. So, the colors won't be exact and the printing registration won't be perfect. However, this proof still gives the client an excellent starting point and reference. From there, knowing that the film proof is a thin film and the final pouch will have other layers laminated to it, we bring out similar-looking production pouches. Specifically, we know how we overlay and sandwich other film layers above and below the printed layer. This provides the client with a close, as close to final look as possible. Now, over the years, we've printed millions of pouches and retained samples specifically so clients can see what certain colors will look like on a finished pouch. As noted, colors printed on clear film look different than if it's printed on an opaque or, a, or opaque film such as metalized or foil. Again, it has to be taken into consideration. This is one way we go into detail about what the printed pouches will look like as part of our service. We do this ahead of production so clients can be highly aware of how certain colors will look and react on printed film. Not only do we communicate this with our clients, we also do the same with the printers in our company. That way, they're well aware of the colors and final result the client is looking for before a job is run.
Then if something goes wrong, that pertains to the printing. We reference all the samples and the information we provided the client and the printers. We aim to do everything we can to manage expectations, both for the client and for the printers in our company. The final result will never embarrass a client, meaning a color may, may, be, may be red, won't get turned into green or yellow or something silly. However, if we run a certain color that isn't quite right after making detailed notes, we'll continue to adjust it on a subsequent runs to achieve the exact color. Because the printing and ink used are controlled by sophisticated computers monitoring the exact percentage of colors, if something needs to be adjusted, analyzed, or tweaked, it can be done quickly and efficiently. Now, how long does it take to make printed stand-up pouches? Answering this question comes with this caveat. The artwork and graphic design have been completed and accepted by the client. At this point, the clock starts ticking. Printed stand-up pouches are made from multiple layers of film laminated together. Each layer serves a specific purpose, whether it's strength or durability, barrier protection, odor, moisture resistance, and of course, the printing itself. The first five days for a printed stand-up pouch involve making printing cylinders. Here, the artwork is etched into steel and then formed into cylinders that will be mounted onto a printing press. Each color of the artwork requires its very own cylinder. The printing cylinders are used for creating only the printed layer. The other layers can be used are not printed or are made, very, made separately. Once the printing cylinders are complete, the printing layer of the stand-up pouch will be finished. This printed layer is a thin substrate by itself and has very little strength or durability. Each color is applied at individual bays or sections of the printing machine. Then this printed layer is set aside, waiting the completion of the other layers that will be used to form the finished printed pouch. As mentioned earlier, the other layers of a printed in a pouch all serve different purposes. One layer determines if the pouch will be clear or have a window so the product can be seen, or will it be opaque to prevent light from entering or keep the product from being seen. All the while, film layers are laminated together, with the printed layer being one of the middle layers. It's actually sandwiched between other layers of film, so it cannot be scratched or marred in any way. Now, now that the layers are all joined together, they're wound into master rolls that are then sent into an oven. Yes, an oven, approximately 140 degrees F, depending on the structure and the thickness of the material, for up to 48 hours to cure. This curing is essential to ensure that the films are bonded and won't separate. After the curing process, the film is then unwound and converted, meaning cut into sizes, cut into shapes, cut into the finished size that it will, and then features such as a Ziploc, hang hole, gas valve, and pore spout are added. Generally, Santa pouches take four to six weeks to produce after the artwork is finalized. Here's a normal schedule for your information. Week one, printing cylinders are made. Week two and three, printed film layer and other layers are made. The film is laminated. Weeks four and five, the film is converted into finished pouches. Weeks six through nine, shipping, transportation, and delivery to your door happen. Now, printing cylinders are ready in play, or already in place, and this is a reorder. The lead time to repeat is usually 18 days plus shipping. Now, what material should I use for my product? When considering which material to use for printing in pouches, step one is asking questions so you clearly understand what you're packaging. 
Step two explores the type of structure needed on your, based on your criteria for the particular stand-up prints in a pouch or stand-up bag. This involves how much weight will be put in the pouch, the conditions the stand-up pouch will be subjected to, hot, cold, sunny, the ultimate use for the stand-up bag, and even who the end user will be. The information below sheds some light on the advantages and disadvantages of the different barrier film structures that are available. Note, your criteria, trademarked by us, determines the thickness of your pouch. Your criteria plus the thickness plus the quantity you need equal the printed or the price per, per pouch. Now, clear structures and metalized film structures. These are usually close to price when everything else is equal, depending on your criteria. Again, most of the clear structures and metalized are very close in price. Both can be made with excellent barrier properties, strength, and durability. Aluminum foil structures tend to be more expensive than clear and metalized, as they generally have superior barrier properties over clear and metalized film. Remember, aluminum foil is just one layer of the overall structure. It all depends on your particular criteria. And the third, boilable structures. These can be made from clear film, metalized film, and foil structures. As mentioned earlier, clear and metalized films tend to be close to the price point, whereas aluminum tends to be much more expensive. Again, it depends on your criteria. And the final are microwavable structures. These are made from clear films that are laminated to provide barrier properties and the strength to withstand microwavable heating elements. Anything metalized wouldn't work in a microwave. The price points for microwave clear films are in line with other clear films, which are based, once again, on your criteria. Folks, this is all the time we have for our book tour, if you will. Stand up and stand out and watch your product fly off the store shelves. More on subsequent shows. Once again, grab your own book, Stand Up and Stand Out on store shelves, uh, and also on Amazon and Kindle versions as well. Folks, I'd like to thank our executive producer, Winston Winnie Price, my producer, Jamie Berling, and as always, until next time, everyone, it's your product. Package it properly. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join David Maranak for another great show next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.